Hello and welcome everybody to the Beacon of Light podcast this evening. For the whole month of October, we are going to be discussing the Unite in Light Domestic Violence Awareness Conference. And so we have been going through many, many different types of speakers and I am honored to present to you tonight, Miss Andrea Merriman. And she is an amazing person with such, I would say, a mission that to go out there. And our focus this evening through the Domestic Violence Conference is going to be on prevention. And so with prevention comes a lot of different things to talk about. But before we start talking about all of that, I want to showcase a few things that you can see running on the ticker underneath here is this is her site to connect with. And she will discuss a little bit more, I'm sure, through the evening about what HELP is all about and how she kind of came into this whole situation. So many of us that are involved with giving supports and helping out with domestic violence, um, unfortunately have had some kind of connection, whether it was um, personally themselves or family member, um, sons or daughters, siblings, these kinds of things. There's usually some type of connection that brings us all together. Well, when we are uniting in light for the Domestic Violence Awareness Conference, we want to make sure that you all can come on in here and for these next eight days. Yes, I said eight days <laughs> and join with us. Here is a rundown on the calendar because we know people are very busy and I think blocking out one full day can be a challenge. And there's so many great things to, to talk about and discuss and good information that we will start on the 4th, 6th, 11th, 13th, 18th, 20th, 25th, and 27th. There will be such great information and we wanted you guys to be able to pop in here at any time. So if you're looking at the calendar, that's every Tuesday and Thursday for the month of October. All right, now with all of that being said, let's jump into introducing Miss Andrea Merriman. So Andrea, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hello, hello, April. <clears throat> First, I'm so excited to be here. And I think that um, what you're doing this month and even your whole thing has just been phenomenal just to watch you um, as you go through that. So <clears throat> tonight, as you talk, we talked about domestic violence in October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so one of my key things I like to share with people is to not only be aware, but hopefully come up with the type of solution that can prevent it or also to have some trauma-focused skills to where if you are a leader, if you're working with women or if you're working with family members or our youth and think that it may be something going on that you can respond safely. Wonderful. And so that's uh, a lot of what I do. And you mentioned the HELP program. And so we're going to talk about that, like you said, a little bit more. But what I wanted to begin with is I always want to start with reminding people that domestic violence is not an anger issue. So often when you speak with victims or you speak with someone that you think may be experiencing it, the first thing they say, oh, well, he only bothers me, hits me, argues with me, demeans me, 
whatever is going on with that when he's angry or <clears throat> when he's intoxicated or when we've both been drinking. And so I always like to just start that on a even keel and say that may be the instigator of it, but it's not the cause. Um, because domestic violence is a power and control issue that people fail to recognize. And sometimes we see it and we dismiss it. Oftentimes we as, and I always speak more of women because that's who I was called to do. I understand that men are also being abused, but even the majority of them are being abused by other men. So I want to just keep keep us understanding why I say the things that I say, because that's who I'm more familiar with. That's who I was called to work with. So I don't want to say, I always want to have people understand that domestic violence knows no boundaries. It happens to men. It happens to women. It happens to all genders uh, and gender formalities. And so we need to understand that as we talk about it. But what I wanted to go back in and say, um, I can speak more from a woman because that's who I am. And I know that a lot of people I work with, as a general rule, from my youth up, we start looking for people that we can help. People that we can give them some of us that we can solve a problem. Women, I feel that by nature are nurturers and that's what we start doing. And what we start looking for is oftentimes there's a dominant force that's going to help us with that, that we can help them. And so we fail to take to heart. And I don't want to say we don't recognize, sometimes we don't, but most of the time we just don't take to heart and really believe the things that we see when they're red flags or things that we think may go against the grain of how we feel. Because oftentimes we see things, we see them arguing with other people. We see them treating the people in the fast food line bad. We see them calling their mother or sisters or family members names. But we often go back and say, oh, well, they don't understand them. They don't feel like that they're being treated right in their family. And that allows us to start absorbing some of their pain and thinking that if we just start taking care of them, if we treat them right, if we show them the love that we have, then that'll make them do right. I'm old enough, matter of fact, yesterday I turned <clears throat> a little bit older and uh, <laughs> and so I'm able to say that I remember the old commercial and April, you may be a little too young to remember, but the old commercial that said, you know, it takes a woman to make a woman do right, make a man do right. And you know, I remember hearing that growing up and I remember the Anjali commercial, you know, I can bring home the bacon fried up in a pan, never let you forget you're a man. 
And so, so many times we grew up listening to these things that was jazzy, it made sense, and we adopted them as fact. <clears throat> so when we started going out and hearing things and seeing things and meeting these people, we think that, oh, well, we if we do right, if we go to work and bring home the bacon, you know, this is going to make him feel like a man. Well, we fail to allow this person to feel like they're man from themselves. So all of that to say, we started owning the pain that we were, that was being bestowed upon us and the bad attitudes that we were receiving from other people. And I think that is what abusers see in victims. They see that people pleasing mode, that sympathy that that um, us as victims have. They see that we are oftentimes you'll notice, you know, victims are organizers. They're under they're able to take things and just make smaller things and make big things out of them. And they see those things, and we enjoy doing those things, so we end up being in that abusive space. Yeah. And in that space, there's something there that really just gets us stuck because of the nurturing heart and these kinds of things. The control and the power of things is just, just really challenging. So again, we want to invite Miss Andrea Merriman. She's here tonight to really talk about this focus of prevention. And the idea this evening, you know, giving us this understanding about what abuse is and how with this forgiveness can happen. Also to empower you with some tools this evening so you can make decisions with power and understanding. And finally, this whole concept about the prevention is learning skills to recognize the domestic violence and maybe how to decrease the chances of getting into a toxic relationship. So before we move on from here, um, I'd like to ask you, Andrea, what is your connection with domestic violence? How did this impact your life? So with all of that said, I'll sum it all up into how I, this, I got to this spot. So as a mother, I have daughters and you always think that your daughters will go and have this fairy tale, Cinderella, Lottie doll relationship, but it doesn't always happen. And one of my older daughters was in a toxic relationship. She was in a relationship with a male who was abusive. And she stayed married for a few months before she um, separated and still trying to work things out. But as it happened, um, months later, it the relationship came worse um, as a mother you just don't want to hear or see these things and you have the conversations. Um, and so what happened was it came to a point to where she had to um, get a restraining order. And so once that was happened, he realized he was losing complete control and he broke into my house one Saturday night and tried to kill everybody in the house. 
And as a result of that, um, my younger daughter, who was not in a toxic relationship, um, was shot five times. And her name was Jennifer. And so once we had to deal with all of this and had to go into shelters until he was found um, and all these things that happened and for months after that, we were out of our home because so much damage had been done to our home. Living in hotels, you know, you become homeless after this. So we were living in hotels. We had friends that had rental houses, stayed there. And so, excuse me, so as that happened, I had to make a decision because um, I lost a daughter, but I still had daughters and family that had to be taken care of. And as a mother, you, you get to the point that you want to, um, again, back into that fix things mode. So basically what I did by working with our local agency was created a program. And that's what you've seen there is called the Jennifer Y. Merriman Health Program. And so I decided to take the pain that I had as a mother and share that information of how domestic violence touches the whole family. The daughter that was in a relationship was not the one murdered, but her younger sister. And Jennifer was only 17. She was in her senior year of school. Um, Jennifer had done some amazing things in her 17 years. Um, and Jennifer had been di uh, diagnosed, but identified as um, academically and intellectually gifted. So she had some big things that she had done through the Duke TIP program. So she left a legacy for sure. But one of the things she always wanted to do was to help children and help teens from dysfunctional families. And so in my program, that's where HELP came from. And HELP stands for um, Hope, Empowerment, Life Skills, and Prevention Methods. And so since 2015, I've turned what uh, was a catastrophe in my family into a consolidated program for domestic violence that we are trying to spread across the whole country. Amazing. You guys hear this? Do you see how it impacts the concept of fear and control, power, impacting the entire family, not even one who was connected to directly to the relationship is at fault. It, uh, what Allison says here is, I'm just, I'm so sorry to hear Thank this. You. I mean, whew, what, what big, it's a big story. So with this, how do we help to prevent? What can we possibly do, Andrea? With this, what I have learned, a couple of things that I want to tell everybody is that what we what they didn't tell us is, and I'm going to start at the end and then backtrack. So what they didn't tell us was that once a restraining order or the person leaves, that that's the most dangerous time in that relationship. And we weren't prepared for that to to, you know, move her somewhere else to make precautions for that. And so I, I always wanna say that that's one of the things 
So let's backtrack and say the things that could happen if you're in a relationship, find someone that you can talk to. Don't keep it a secret. There's a lot. There's your um, helpline. There's local agencies. There's police departments. There's advocates. There's advocates even on um, online that you can talk to, but find someone that you can talk to. Agreed. Building some type of team, some type of support. And if it is just talking first, yeah. you can't do this by yourself. You need the team, that network. So important. And, and if you're that person that someone comes to, start with believing them. Never start with, oh my gosh, you're telling that ain't really happening because that makes that person shut down. Although they see that you're, it's a reaction, it still unsets the mood of that sharing. So Allison asks, how do you find advocates? So I would say if you're not familiar with people, um, depending on your state, but there is a national hotline number that you can go to. There's also, even if you just Google domestic violence, that national hotline number comes up and it also comes up with a text line now. But you're low and they will direct you to a local agency. I've, if you can't find there, I'm in North Carolina and can help you with there. And I have a number 7403DV help which is 7403384357. But there, there and is this a, is that national hotline okay. number right there. So 1-800-799-7233, depending on the state. This will, well, this will help whichever That'll help national. That's why I always um, just like to give out the national number. They can direct you to someone local. Um, and I say start there. There you're there, you're gonna find that there are some independent advocates, but I prefer going in and knowing who I'm talking to with that space. Um, so start with the national number. So she says she's yes. in New York. New York. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Definitely start with that number. Um, they have some good shelters and and I know some good agencies in that area. So that's a good place to start there. And they can direct you because every state is different on how they handle them and what that definition looks like when it comes to um, that help. But right. definitely seek someone. Absolutely. So she asked, could you please repeat the number after the national number? So your number could you say that again? It's 740-338-4357. Or sometimes it's easier to remember 7403-DV-HELP. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for repeating these numbers, for helping things out. Here is the national number I will put up there as well. So with the whole concept about prevention, getting you connected with people is a huge thing. 
we also talk about the concept about the supporters toolkit because not everyone has to be a certified advocate to start helping. Right. You can connect with people who you trust. A lot of women go with um, coworkers because maybe the relationship doesn't know the people who they work with. And so they feel right. a little bit safer because it's a little bit removed. And so that's a way to start. So if you have any questions about how, if you are someone who works with somebody who is in domestic violence and you want to give them support, but don't know where to start, this little toolkit is a, is a great support to get things started. That's great. That's awesome. The other thing is if you are a victim, someone at risk, um, our help program is done through my nonprofit, which is Feminine Life Rebuilders, which is a 501c3. And so the address, the web address you see, the jymhelpprogram.com, go to services there. There's also a page on there for a referral if you want to even refer yourself to the program. Um, when we do that program, it will be online, so we can do it from anywhere. And it is the only consolidated program for domestic violence that we have right now. Um, that's why we're licensing out across the state. Amazing. So right there, and it's gonna continue throughout the broadcast tonight, that connection piece where you see the the website that's right there. Please go ahead and record that down. We will drop links down below at the end of this recording. So Andrea, we've talked a little bit about these pieces of, of the, the, this learning about how to empower you with some tools. Now, what is, what's the part of this evening that you want to share? I mean, there's a horrific story that connects with all of this, but there is tremendous, help and hope that connects with all of this. So where would you like to take the discussion now? And I, I think, like you said, to go back and just really look at what the the red flags that at the beginning and the two of understanding how to help people, but to understand not to ignore the things that happen in the beginning. Um, I, I mentioned something about seeing how they treat other people. Um, they start with giving you simple things. I remember someone said that they had um, tried to study. And when they turned their phone back on, they had almost 100 phone calls or text messages. Where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? And those things are not cute. And I think that we, like I said, just start looking at the simple things. If it doesn't feel right, it's probably not. And when you start putting all those pieces together, when you look at a little bit of your control that's being taken from you, even something as simple as um, I don't want you to go to, no, first it starts, I, I don't want you to hang out with your friends because they don't like me. So you can go, but I don't want to go. And then you start staying at home because you don't want your significant other to feel bad because you went out and had fun. And you think it's your decision and you're doing a good thing, but that's a subtle way of taking the control of your friendships from other people from you. 
and oftentimes we don't see that until it's too late yeah so take these warning signs as something really serious to to look at and on thursday with miss keely may she's also going to talk a little bit more in depth about these red flags so andrea with the concept of you know looking at um let's just go back to to the prevention what are some of the skills that you teach youth to help them understand what a toxic relationship is like how to talk to people when i go into the schools it's really amazing when i first went into school i did not realize the impact that this is happening um february is teen dating violence month and i always say that those words should never go together teen dating violence should not even be in the same sentence but it is so one of the things that i teach them one is to set boundaries the main thing is to set boundaries when we go to date we don't want to set boundaries and some of those boundaries need to be non-negotiable you need to know what you want in a relationship and then and what start loving yourself enough to understand what you need to make you function well and then if those things are not in that relationship don't be in that relationship yourself and so once you once once people start setting boundaries and saying hey this doesn't work for me that's part that's part of the best prevention is to learn to walk away and understanding that you don't have to do things because other people are doing but with teens, what I have found out, the bigger piece of it is being able to say, this doesn't work for me, and I'm not going to stay in this relationship just because I want to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yeah, big, big understanding there. Chris has a question here, and he says, what can be done by the victim to deter possible violence? It really, and, and that's a hard question to answer, not knowing what's going on, because there's so many safety issues in there. And really to say that if this person is the victim, they need to understand that they didn't make the decision for the abuse, so they can't be the preventer of the abuse. And I hope that made sense, but if someone has made a decision to abuse you, you can only control what you do. So the best prevention is for you to be able to remove yourself from the situation when it's safe to do. But you can't, you can't put yourself in a position to where you own the problem enough to where you want to be the preventer of it. Right. And it, that's something really, really interesting to talk about. And as we started the conversation this evening, we were talking about, for, for the most part, it is men on men and men on women abuse of what's happening. So it makes me always ask the question, well, what's happening with our men? Yeah. What's happening out there? Like, come on, we, we're all a society together, whether we feel that way or not. We're, we're really good at labeling and identifying and putting everybody in a cubbyhole. And then we look around and like, well, why isn't anyone getting along? I don't know. Can I come out of this? Can I not? Are right. you put me in this yeah. hole? Yeah. And so it's really challenging. And we have to really ask the question, if families were designed the way that they are with a mom, dad, kids, just biologically, that's how it happens. Now, I know there's a variety of families. This is not a shoot on that. 
We're just talking about as a group, as a society, what's happening with the men out there and how can we help them in this prevention? You know, offering this opportunity for the guys to talk is going to happen on October the 18th and we'll have a whole panel for this big discussion. But it really is an interesting question. So, Andrea, what do you feel is going on when you talk to our teens out there? I think a lot of it is the... And, and again, talking to the teens and, and 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 just to say where I'm getting this information from, one of the things that I do after we talk about the laws and what's out there, I give them a scenario and I let them run with it. And then we have discussion on the on how they ran with it. And it's boys and girls together so they can each see how the other person is thinking. So and a lot of what I'm hearing is the persona that this this makes me stronger this shows my dominance this shows my um manhood type thing and not understanding the loving nurturing piece of that and so the guys are seeing one part of it but not the other and i think it's it's I think society has just allowed that, and I hate to be that person, but I think it's a lot of the way that we have made our music. Um, women have decided that they also want to be um, labeled some of the names and things that are being labeled, that it's okay to call me a bitch, it's okay to call me your wifey instead of your wife, you know, it doesn't matter. and so. Because we teach people oftentimes when we're starting out in relationships what I'll accept. And sometimes that that leads them to rip and control a little bit more. But back to the men thing, what I'm hearing from the teens, I mean, one of them is, um, and this was just right when we were talking about what rape looks like. And one of the scenarios, you go over to her house and you had already been sexting and you're ready to have this you know relationship and she says stop what are you going to do so some of them was like well i'm just going to take a cold shower some of them was well i'm just leaving someone was oh no i've walked over she's going to do something this is this and they just kind of got you know puffed up about what had to happen because this was already promised to me and I think it's just that attitude. I think all of it is attitude and just not understanding um, the dynamics of it's okay to show your feelings, it's okay to back down, it's okay to be yourself and determine that you want to respect. And I think part of the other piece is, is the respect thing, April. People have a bad concept of what respect is. I hear people all the time, I only respect people who respect me. And I ask the teens once, that's like, when they respect me, I respect them. I said, and what if they don't respect you? And how do you know that they're not respecting you? And they said, well, I don't give respect until people earn it. I said, okay, well, look, when you walked into this room, you spoke to me. Every one of you spoke to me. You smiled at me. You waved at me. You respected me. You don't know me. You've never seen me before. 
And they were like, oh, yeah. I said, so don't go around thinking that respecting someone is a bad thing. It shows that you're compassionate. It shows that you're able to carry yourself in a nice way. It's okay to show respect. And then when somebody shows you that they don't deserve it or they treat you badly, then remove yourself from them, not change your character. So I think some of those, yeah, some of those values, I think, are falling by the wayside. Yeah. And if we keep skirting that away, there isn't really a way that society can rebound. So we need to draw the boundary and the line with that. And so with our young men, with our young boys, with our young girls, with this really young age, the idea of respecting has to start soon. And, And it seemed a little simpler because in you know we'll say the olden days i know, I know. <laughs> in the olden days when we all arrived on dinosaurs and went to school that way <laughs> there was a level of respect because of authority yeah and i think sometimes the confusion is you can have it all right now when you're nine you know yeah. no yeah a little later a little later not not right now missy so it's just that idea of we have to respect and honor those that have the wisdom and the experience in their lives. And that, that shows, you know, yeah, I'm going to respect that from, you know, these people, from my teachers, from whatever. And if we can show up that way, our actions really will follow up because we're thinking that way. So how do we plant those seeds in? And that's a huge piece of prevention, right? If we can raise up a group of, of society and people that know and understand that's the boundary on both sides for both boys and girls, there is something hugely in that because then they see each other as humanity and people as opposed to objectification. Yes. And that's when things get tough. And you you nailed it, like with the music and that idea of this culture, which it what what good does it bring forth? I always have to see, well, what what good's coming from that? Yeah. I haven't seen anything yet. Sorry to say it that way, but I not yet. I see a lot of things come from the culture that I'm like, hmm. And I'm I'm talking about that that music, the objectification, this idea. So think about what's happening, what's going on there. So anyway, big big topics there. So Andrea, I know those those are like a whole nother big movie night going you know that's right (laughs) exactly exactly that's absolutely right well i i think this um this is really fantastic and allison thank you so much for popping in here thank you heather thank you chris you know this this really is a blessing for for you and and she's kind of funny she's just not that tech savvy and she just stumbled upon this for this evening (laughs) so i'm glad that you did because there are things here to help so many people and we will have the replay again. Let's just throw these things up here um, for the evening. We will be meeting again on Thursday. So every Tuesday night and Thursday night through the month of October, these are the dates. Um, we were so excited to have H E L P um, the program that Andrea has developed in honor and respect of her daughter who was a victim of domestic violence. We also have the supporters toolkit, which we will drop links down there below that if you are one that's here that wants to know, how can I help? What can I do? This is one of those kits that will help you through 
the concept about what can I best do for that. Again, here is the national hotline number that if you are in trouble, if you know that you need help, here is a good site for you to be able to find. And last of all, I do have my website. And like so many of us here that will be speaking, we do have resources on our website. If you just click on the top that says domestic violence, you will see lists of, of how to make a plan, what to do, contact numbers, situations for different states. So we are here to offer this help because we are uniting in light with this domestic violence awareness conference so that you can become free. You can help somebody else with that and we can help prevent. So Andrea, as we close things out this evening, what would you like to kind of say as we close it up? Um, one, find someone to talk to. If it's um, if you're ready to do something and you want to talk to an agency, so but as you mentioned, talk to a friend. And one of the things I heard you say that I did want to make sure that we covered quickly when you're talking about prevention is have a safety plan and not just after the violence, but I tell parents, especially they're getting ready to go um, in school, um, especially your freshmen, to make sure that you have a safety plan in place and that you talk about what happens if, what happens before, and those things, the safe words, all those things are in place for your high school kids, especially in your college students, for sure. Really, such, such great planning. You guys can do this out there. There's so many great resources. There's great things to do. So um, Allison asks another question. She says, awesome, thank you. <laughs> this is, you know, we'll, we'll get things off to you. And she asks, um, what do you do when you have no one? Then you call those that 800 number. And even if you don't want to leave, they will talk to you. They are a voice. The crisis lines are not just when you say, I'm ready to leave. They are there to listen. Yeah, very, very important. Thank you for emphasizing that again. Uh, Andrea, this has been fantastic. And I hope you have taken value from this this evening. Um, we will put all of the links and the information that we talked about here tonight down below. Thank you for those that received your ticket. We will be sending off those free PDFs to you. And if you would like to join for the rest of the month with those tickets, you'll get this, this free information for you as well. Thank you, Andrea. And I, I pray for you all out there. There is hope. There is light. We do have you unite together. And you are not alone. Even yes. when you feel alone, you're not. You're not. There, there is support. We are here and we are outreaching as best as we possibly can. Yeah, you can definitely, you can talk to ministers, you can talk to friends, you can talk to coworkers. There's so many ideas here for sure. So thank you. You do have a way forward. And I'm glad that that helped this evening. Wonderful. Well, and thank you everybody. That, the good thing about the 800 number, sorry, just wanted to no, say ahead. this please, because please, please. I thought about it when we talked about talking. Usually is in the middle of the night. That 800 number, that national number, they will answer 24-7. If you wake up at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, someone is there to talk to you. That is fantastic. So you are truly with someone. You can reach out to us at any time. 
Um, Andrea has a Facebook group. I know she's on LinkedIn. She also has this community here um, through her website. So connect with us. Come through every Tuesday and Thursday night through the month of October and find answers here for y'all. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Oh, before I go, I see someone says I have a question. Uh -oh. What's your question, Facebook user, before I close it up? It's like the last person in the classroom. I have a question. <laughs> I, I, have a question. <laughs> I wasn't sure I wanted to ask, but before you go. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that happens with your groups as well, too, right? Well, you know, put it down below and we will answer it as we close this off tonight. But again, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here as a support. This is that 1-800 number. Reach out to Andrea, reach out to myself, anyone else. So it says, it's been hard for me to leave even though it's what I should do. I can attest to that. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. It is hard. What should I do? Yeah, what okay. should we do? It's hard to leave even though... It's it's been hard for me to leave, even though it's hard. What should I do? Again, only thing I can say is to talk to somebody because no one can tell you what to do. And that's part of the hope and the help. Because so often we lose hope and that's what I sound like I hear. But there is light on the other side. There is help on the other side, all you need to do is reach out to someone, find someone local, um, call April or myself, help us guide you through it, and never feel like that it's hard and you can't make it because there's always someone that has been in a place that where you are that has grown to get to where they want to be. And so, although it looks hard now, there's someone who has already walked that path. And when someone else has already walked that path, it makes it just a little bit easier. So believe in yourself, make a decision of what you want to do. And someone will be there to hold your hand to help you move from, I'm afraid to, I'm fantastic. Wonderful. Wonderful way to end the event. Yes, we'll drop all these links down here below. There are ways to make plans. There are so many, um, you know, avenues of, of how to do this. Allison asks, one last question is, how do we reach out to you again, please? You can reach me on Facebook. It'd probably be the easiest thing to remember. Um, I have, I'm Andrea D. Merriman. I have a business page, and that's an Andrea D. Merriman, Andrea Merriman. But you can find me on any social media at Harmony Coach Andrea. And we'll put that in the thing. You can find yes. me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. If you put in Harmony Coach Andrea and Google, I come up. Excellent. Perfect. There are all these supports and we'll drop these all down. And thank you everybody for coming here tonight. And we hope that Allison, we've been able to help you and sorry, we don't know your name, but Facebook user, we're here <laughs> to give you support as well. Thank you everybody for joining us this evening. Come back on Thursday night and we will talk about our red flags and how you can notice and recognize those. Again, thank you, Andrea, for this beautiful um, information about prevention. We'll see you all. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye.